Wow. So, um, as you know, we're on our part three of our devotional series, and, uh, and we've been speaking about uh, being devoted in the morning service, and then we've been talking it through uh, more practically and in more depth in our evening service. And so, Sarah, you... You did a great job this morning. I thought it was awesome. But for people who weren't here this morning, and for a recap from people like me, can, can you give us a bit of a summary of what you, what you shared? Sure. Well, I started off looking at the three S's of devotion. So we have the source, we have surrender, and we've got service. And so the source of surrender, or the source of devotion, sorry, is God himself. So God's commitment to having intimacy with us actually began before creation itself. So the Bible tells us that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. Colossians 3, 13 to 14 talks about when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that God made us alive in Christ, forgiving our trespasses, having counseled the debt, he actually took it away, nailing it to the cross. I just think that's a really powerful scripture that explains exactly what Christ did. So Jesus' sacrifice for us causes us to know that we are loved, we are forgiven, we can be healed, we can be free from all the things that torment our minds, we can know peace, and we can have life in all its fullness. Jesus said, I come that you may have life in all its fullness. And so our response to that, our devotional response, has got to be one of surrender to him, who can resist such amazing love. Um, we are responsible for the condition of our own hearts and our devotion towards God. So it's like God has ignited this fire of devotion on the inside of us. He's already demonstrated his devotion through sending Jesus. And so that just initiates a hunger and a desire in us to reciprocate to the one who has just given all to us. And so there's a hunger and there's a desire as there was in the hearts and minds of the early disciples to you know, read the word of God, read his love letter to us, the Bible, to pray, to have communion. And of course, I mean, communion is just so powerful, um, just recognizing the forgiveness of our sins and that we can be healed from our brokenness through communion. I think it's really powerful. And that sense of unity that they had, the fellowship one with another. And it's really important to keep that fire burning on the inside. So as people gathered together daily, that fire just kept on burning. You keep hearing testimonies of people, what God's doing in their lives. And it's like the coals in the fire coming together and, you, and you've got a blaze. Um, we looked at King David. Now, King David, he was said to be a man after God's heart. Uh, and I just love Psalm 139. We talked about this this morning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, it's a prayer that I often pray myself. Um, it's a, it really is a surrender of the deepest thoughts um, and desires there's that internal desire for connection with God. It's that into me see. I, I see the word intimacy as into me see. It's like our hearts are laid bare. He's saying there is nothing hidden from you. He's withheld nothing from us. His heart has been laid bare before us. 
when, when he died there on the cross, he's saying, into me, see, see the love that I have for you. Um, and, and in the same way, we reciprocate that. Into me, see. He sees it anyway, but it is that willing desire to actually let it all go to him. Um, it's only actually in the intimacy of a relationship with God that the desires and the needs of our heart can really be met. That desire, that need to be known, to be loved, to be accepted, to have a sense of significance and purpose for our lives is only met wholly in our relationship with God. But, and if we've been transformed by his love, it's hard, therefore, not to be devoted. If we're not devoted, then the question is, am I saved? Or have I just walked away from my first love? Have I left my first love? So the intimacy that we have with God is demonstrated through the service that we have for others. So we've got the, the source of devotion being God. We've got the surrender of devotion, so our response back to God. And then we've got the service of devotion, so we're actually serving the community around us. It's like there's an internal want to, sort of stirs on the inside of us. You know, we want love, we want fellowship, we want to give, we want to serve. There's no, there's no pressure, um, there's no persuasion needed. But we're devoted all by ourselves. And love in its very nature gives. And so the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave. And, and what he demonstrated on the cross outwardly was a result of what was on the inside of him. So you know, the whole thing of having love for one another was just really important to, to Jesus. He said, by this you'll know that you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. So we talked about sacrificing. How far are we prepared to go in sacrificing our time, our treasures, our talents for him in service to his people? So, yeah, that was kind of a, a very quick summary. So the, the <laughs> three S's, a great preacher, three S's, the source, the surrender, the service. Great. Um, so... so so, uh, Rebecca, you were in the youth uh, uh, this, this morning, but I know you've had a chat with Sarah and you've, you saw the notes and you, you talked through this, and Louise as well, you were, you were here this morning. So, any, any thoughts and comments um, uh, uh, about the, the, the overall? What, what, hit your, what hit you guys in terms of uh, uh, the message this morning? Yeah, I think I, I was obviously energised this morning, but I listened to it this afternoon. It's great being able to do that. And... I think for me, as I, I sat there with, uh, with a notebook actually, just noting down some of the words that Sarah used, and I found it a real challenge. So words like devotion, it's a word, isn't it, that we skip over, but it's like a deep word. She talked about being captivated. Mm. That's really a strong word, isn't it? Um, she then talked about hungering after Jesus, thirsting after the word of God. And it was some of those that got to me, because... Sometimes we can just skip over things, can't we? And um, we're in church, yeah, we, we, we know Jesus, we're following Jesus. But actually, these are powerful words. Are we captivated? Um, I found that really challenging. And the verse that, that really challenged me was in Luke 6, which talked about from the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. I thought, whoa, what a challenge. What's in our heart completely affects what comes out of our mouth. 
And it, it, it made me just think, well, what is coming out of my mouth to everybody, to everybody in here? Because in a way, I feel like we're accountable to each other, aren't we? What we're saying to each other is actually sending a message. That is what's in my heart at the moment, and that's coming out of my mouth. So there were just two things that really just jumped out to me. Yeah, I... Um as soon as I mean I've, I got to read the notes first and then hear Sarah speak this morning and you know what a series about being devoted um, and as I read the title into me see as Sarah sort of just explained really just actually recognizing that God sees our heart um, and again going back to the scripture that Sarah just spoke on Psalm 139 that you know God can test us he can know our anxious thoughts or if there's any offensive way in me and you know we live our lives don't we and sometimes we hide those things things from people that maybe we're worried about things or things that aren't right in our life but God sees them all and there's a vulnerability but in a good way that God actually sees that he can deal with that he gave his son Jesus that you know we can be free from those sins and we can we can move forward and um, I just found that really powerful into me see not to hide anything but to allow God to see and to and to just come before him and also that image of him on the cross that is the outward showing and obviously the pain, but actually his heart to see actually into what Jesus was doing for us um, and the second thing was and it was just such a simple little sentence that you said but it's um, everyone loves a hero but Jesus is the greatest hero of all time. Isn't that amazing? You know, it blows my mind sometimes when I sit down and I think about all that Jesus has done. But, you know, God gave his son because he loved us so much. He's devoted to us that he, he reconciled. He made a plan. But likewise, Jesus was willing to go through that suffering, to go through that pain because he loved us and devoted to us. So, yeah, they were the things that stood out for, for me. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to bring another mighty woman of God uh, up onto the stage. Our, our lay delegate, Carol, if you can come up, please. And when I heard Carol's story, and Carol's is going to share for a couple of minutes of how her, her heart responded when she understood the devotion of the Heavenly Father to her. Thanks, Carol. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Um, I just want to share with you something, as Ian said, about uh, what a huge difference something made to my relationship with God and my understanding of this word devoted. Uh, I became a Christian when I was 16 and obviously my life changed dramatically uh, and it was wonderful to know the joy of God. And I found that I could worship God as a creator, as Lord, as Saviour, as Master, but I couldn't worship God as a father. Um, and I used to get upset whenever he preached about God as a father because of my experiences of father figures in my life. Um, they were very negative and very damaging. And so whenever anybody preached in church about the father, God the father, I couldn't cope with that. I couldn't accept it. And I really struggled with God being a father. But I didn't realize that um, this was a very important part of God's character, uh, that fatherhood made him complete as a character. And because of that, my faith and my growth as a Christian stalled uh, quite dramatically, and I struggled for a long time uh, to come to terms with that. But God's wonderful, and he finds a way to draw you to himself and to heal what's happened to you. 
The first thing he did was to give me a lovely husband. And we had two boys, and it was a joy to watch my husband and the fatherhood he showed to our boys. And for the first time, I began to see that it was a good thing to have a father. And then the huge thing that happened was that God used scripture to just open up that part of my life. And you've, you've heard me quote this verse, and I'm going to have this written on my gravestone. It's Zephaniah 3.17, and it says, My daughter, when I look at you, I sing for joy. Wow. <laughs> the God of the universe looks at Carol Gornel and sings for joy. But it says, because he loves me. Because he loves me. And after I'd read those scriptures, and there were other scriptures that went with them, I began to realize what it was like to be a child of God. And it took a long time, but eventually I realized I was a child of God. And that was just amazing. I still struggle sometimes. And even now, when people talk about the fatherhood of God, I still have that little niggle. But I can just say, God, you're singing over me. And that is wonderful. And I am your child. And when I realized that, something amazing happened. I was absolutely overwhelmed, swamped, filled with the Holy Spirit. And I realized just how much God did love me. And it was just mind-blowing. It was hard to take in that God had sent his son for me. And had I been the only person on the planet, I realized that God would still have sent Jesus to the cross for me. Just for me. I know it did for everybody, but for me, that was what happened. And so I realized I was a child of God and the importance of the fatherhood of God. But it worked the other way as well. As well as being overwhelmed with God's love for me, God gave me a supernatural love for him that has just been with me all my life so far. One of the fav my favorite songs that we sing in church is I am... Um, I am no longer a slave to, to fear. I am a child of God. You've adopted me into your family, and your blood flows in my veins. Wow, isn't that amazing? God's blood flows in my veins because I am a child of God, and God is my Father. That's amazing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, into my mind, and I will receive calm. Come Holy Spirit into my heart and I'll receive peace. But come Holy Spirit into my soul and I will receive the fatherhood of God. Thank you, Carol. Uh, one of the areas that Sarah spoke about was the source of devotion, that we are responders, but we, there is a source that comes that causes that devotion to erupt on the inside of us. And, um, and one of the questions that's been written down here, I'll just read it out. What was it, do you think, that caused God to devote himself to man? Now, I have a little problem with the question because nothing, nothing causes God to do anything. He is the first cause, of course. But what we're trying to get at here is the source of our devotion. And, and, and um, what was it, as it were, that motivated God, do you think? I think God wanted to create 
man in his image to bring him into an already existing relationship there within the Godhead. So you've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And let us make man in our image. And so I think just as a, a father and a mother, they delight in their children. That was the heart of God. So he, couldn't, he could do nothing but be devoted to and just have adoration towards that or those that he'd created in his image uh, to be part of his, his community of love. Yeah, I think as well that um, the Bible says that God loves us, says that he loves the world, but it also says that God is love. Yeah, that's right. You know, like, that is his character. It's not that just he loves us but he is completely, utterly, totally love. And I think when we can grasp something of that, I don't think we can grasp it fully, but when we grasp that, that God is love, what he does is good, what he does is loving, and what he does for us is good and loving, and he, he, he just loves us. And when we grasp something of that, um, it's just incredible, isn't it? And I know we can all have lots of questions about lots of things, do suffering and everything, but it says that God is love. Mm. I thought that was powerful this morning. I don't think there's anything else I can add to that. You Wonderful. know, that is it. Great. Yeah. Great. So uh, God doesn't just have love, uh, even though he does. He doesn't just give love, even though he does. But as Rebecca says, he is love. He is the source of all love. And um, John 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus, when he's praying for his disciples to the Father, he's praying about his disciples and those who will come after them, which is us. And he says, Father, that they will know the love that we shared, Father, before the foundations of the earth. That's, that's why Sarah's saying that we're invited into an already existing love relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're, we're being invited into that. And, and that's what erupts on the inside of us, is that when we see the demonstration of the love of God, when we face the cross, and God demonstrated his love towards us, that while, while I was still in rebellion against him, when I was still in my sin, he died for me then. It's one thing to, to show love to someone who's got it all together and you get on with them really well and you love them and they're really nice. But when, you, but when you're showing love to someone who, who, who is just rebellious against you and just falling out and, and, and just grating against you, and, when the, and the Bible talks about there's enmity between man and God, and it was in that place, in my worst place, in my worst place, God says, I will die for you, demonstrating a love, that, that in, in, unconditional love for us. And when that illumination, that revelation, it's no longer just information. It's no longer just someone preaching it from the front. But when that explodes in us, that illumination and that, the, the eyes of our inner life become open, and you go, I've got it, like Carol was sharing just a moment ago. When that comes, that's when devotion explodes. And, and it's not by try harder, I've got to make an effort, I've got to be seen. But it just naturally, spontaneously erupts from within us. And the Bible describes it like springs of living water flowing up 
from within us. That's how it's described. I'm going to bring another mighty woman of God onto the stage. I think it's ladies' night. That's what I should call it. <laughs> ladies' night tonight. So, Anna, can you come and sh- share your hearts on devotion? Thank you. Good evening. See, interesting when Sarah asked me to share something. I wasn't too sure for a long time, till halfway through today and onwards, what really to share. But it's interesting what God's given me really fits with what Carol said and, and what's been shared already. And I want to sort of take you back to, to lockdown. Um, and I, those of you who know me know I'm quite all go. I struggle to make my brain stop moving. In fact, at school, my friends used to say, would love to try other people's brains for a day, but not Anna's because I'll be exhausted in two minutes. Um, and that was quite accurate. And one of my frustrations is I could never do quiet times. I just couldn't sit. I just had to start praying. And five minutes later, I realized I got halfway through one sentence and I had five minutes thinking about something else. And I ended up feeling more guilty and frustrated from having quiet times and then decided not to have quiet times because they made me feel worse than I should. Um, but when lockdown came, it was me, my dog, and the Lord for the first lockdown, three months nearly, in, in the house. And I really was determined to use that to, in my thought, sort of master having quiet times and just sit and be still. Um, and one of the things that, that God really drew me to was sort of following on from Carol, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I could chat with God on the go, and I felt close to God. And I notice now even I'm saying God. But actually, when I really stopped, again, I felt quite close to the Holy Spirit. And I realized I sort of felt like I had a bit of a distance from Jesus. Um, I felt like I knew him. I felt like I loved him. But somehow it didn't feel as natural for me as talking to God or, or about the Holy Spirit. Um, So I I sat and I prayed and I said, Lord, Jesus, show me, take you from my head to my heart, show me who you are in a more personal way. Because I'd read all the stories, I knew them, or most of them, some of them, but somehow I still felt I wasn't as natural. And it was just an amazing journey where I thought, well, Gospels, let's start in the Gospels, where, you know, Jesus, in some senses, is most easily seen. So I turned to Mark and I just began reading it. And it's amazing how God just brought out thing after thing about Jesus and I actually went back and I got two pens or pencils and I used two different colors and I went through one people going to Jesus and two Jesus Jesus seeing people and I want to just read you a few of the things I came highlighted about Jesus seeing people so Jesus noticed Jesus saw he had compassion on them He said, I feel sorry for these people, looking at them. Jesus felt genuine love for them. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. And that was just a few of the things that really jumped out to me. And I began to realize how much Jesus noticed and sees and hears and cares for. And it became less about the action in my head and more about the feeling. These are all real feelings. Jesus stopped because he cared. Jesus felt genuine love. He saw. And, and as I began to sort of realize that, I felt like it just, it just clicked in my heart suddenly. Actually, the love of God and of Jesus for me. And suddenly I found that my devotional times... Yeah, I was having to set an alarm to stop to carry on because it, that it was a beautiful time and I'd never thought I could do that. And I just knew his love. I'd just sit there and think, gosh, yeah, I feel frustrated that I'm not very good at stopping. But you noticed, you saw that, you cared. And it just really changed, I feel, the way 
I related to, to Jesus. And out of that, it's become so much easier. I know he loves me. I, I genuinely, the whole of me, not just in my head, I know he loves me. And it's easier to trust him. It's easier to follow him. It's easier to do what he's telling me to do in the future because I know he loves me. I know he stopped. I know he noticed. I know he cared. And it hit me just of everything. I think I said this bit last time. It's not what we do for him that matters most. It's our growth of our spirits. It's our relationship mm. and the intimacy with mm. him. Um, so it just it transformed the way I relate to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I just want to sort of leave you with um, a verse, Psalm 27, verse 8, which is something that, that I pray that I will respond more and more. But it shows God's heart. But God said, my heart, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responded, Lord, I am coming. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Is our confidence growing in the love that he has? for us how much are we growing every day in trusting being completely dependent and having strong confidence he loves me he cares for me yes circumstances bring challenges and bring pain at times even more so should we get ourselves rooted and grounded in the love that he has for us giving us strength so it becomes personal. What's your personal response to the recognition of God's devotion towards you? I think when I first became a Christian, I was just overwhelmed with the sacrifice of Christ for me and that my sins were forgiven. I hadn't realized that what I was doing was against God. I really had a heart for God. I knew he had a plan and purpose for my life, but there was that sense of not recognizing at all that I was a sinner. But then once faced with it, I was like, oh my goodness. The the cost was such that Jesus had to die for me. Um, And I I was just totally overwhelmed by his love. And there was that hunger for his word. It was like, I've got to be reading the Bible. And I used to have this phrase, talk about the the Bible being like the sword, taking up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so I used to have my New Testament with me. It's like, if I haven't got my sword, I'll make sure I've got my dagger in my pocket. And so I would have my New Testament. And whenever I had a chance, I would be getting it out. Lord, just speak to me. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you know, I became a Christian um, as a child. I remember my dad leading me to the Lord, and um, I was only five years old. So for me, it was as I got older, and I, and it really, I really began to, um, I'd never say fully understand, because I don't think our minds can fully comprehend all that God has done um, through his son Jesus for us. But as I began to walk that journey... Um, and, and you sense just the love that he has for us. There is a desire, not a guilt trip, not a, oh, I must, not a begrudging, but an absolute desire to want to spend time with God. And um, whatever that may look like, whether that is um, a desire, obviously, to, to read the word of God, which is fundamental because we know that that is the bread of life. And without the bread of life, spiritually, we will die. You know, the, we, we need the word of God to to be speaking in us, to be growing. Uh, but there is that hunger that you talked about, Sarah, this morning, and, and we've touched on this evening as well, um, to spend 
spend time reading the word, the love letter, which I loved um, to us, and to be able to talk to God in prayer and to come before him, to hear his voice, whether that's through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, whether for some that is an audible voice, or whether that is just that sense of God just speaking to us through whatever it might be, the word, the scripture. But um, yeah, I think, you know, that is my response, just that desire to want to come before him, to want to do what he's put on my heart as well, mm. to follow his calling, to follow his guide, you know, and there's an excitement, there's an energy that comes not from our strength, not from what we want to do, but there is um, that exhilarating strength that is a supernatural strength because it comes from our God Almighty. Yeah, I think Sarah has talked there about um, you know, getting, getting into the Word, that love, and Louise has talked about um, the, like prayer and reading the Bible. I think something that I've been really challenged about recently isn't just coming to God and, and praying or just coming to God and listening, but just coming to God and sitting in his presence mm. and actually being with God. That's something I don't find that easy because I do tend to be quite a busy person. I am a doer. I know that. Um, but actually making the time to stop and put on worship music is what I do and just listen not not even just listening to God speak but just enjoy being there and just experiencing that presence of God so that when you move into your everyday life you're walking in that presence as you as you go around. And sometimes I, I will be out and I just think, why do I actually feel really quite awful at this moment? And I think, actually, when I trace that back, it's because something's happened that maybe just take me out of walking in the presence of God. Um, maybe something that I've heard, something that's maybe sad, something that's annoyed me. And I almost have to go back there and say, oh, get me so that I'm walking in your presence every day, not just speaking to you, not just listening to you, but living, living with you, living in that way. So we talked about, just, just, uh, just for a couple of minutes, we talked about this morning about the fruit of devotion, our service to God, our, our outward working of this devotion within <laughs> Can you give us a couple of practicals, just, just for a moment? Just give us a couple of practicals. How does that kind of work out for you guys? I, I think practically you, you find yourself seeing, I suppose, the, the needs around you. And you're just, I'm constantly thinking to myself, you know, how can I be Christ in this situation? So it's like, I, I, as I'm out and about, there is just that desire to, I'm a rescuer. You know, I, I see a need, and it's, oh, I wonder if I can do anything to, to help out there. Um, and, and I think it just genuinely comes from that heart of wanting to be Christ to people um, and just demonstrating his love to others. Yeah, I read it, um, a quote by Louis Giglio this week, and it said, you know, God's greatest gift to us is life, and our greatest gift to God is what we do with our lives. Um, and I believe, you know, when we ask of opportunities, when we get to, to, work with to, to walk with people, whether it's in the workplace where people have come to me because they know that I'm a Christian because I follow Jesus, and they've said, look, you know, I've got this illness, or a family friend has got it, will you just pray for them, or will you pray with them? Honestly, it's amazing what you can do in a staff room. And, you know, to be able to just 
live it out. It is not just coming to church. We don't just worship. It is about taking that, all that we've learned, that desire, that hunger of teaching, of, of prayer, of all the, the, those key elements. But actually, if we do nothing with it, what are we doing with our lives? And our greatest gift to God is what we do with our life. And to be able to go and minister with people, like you say, can be just be taking someone to the shop, do, doing all sorts of things that are practical, that are helpful, but also bringing, you know, the word of Jesus into people's lives. It's amazing. And I think that we've talked a lot tonight about God's love, that God is love. And I think my constant prayer, because I, I know that I need help with this, is God just teach me, please teach me to love more. And I think if we're asking him constantly to do that and then walking in his presence, then sometimes supernaturally he just speaks. And it might just be a prompting from God that says, just go and do that for somebody. You're not always fulfilling a natural need you see, but there are times when, there are times when I've just felt God say, right, just go and do that, go and do that for that person. And sometimes I've thought, no, that is just ridiculous. I'm, I can't do it. And then you'll find a few weeks later that that person was in such need at that moment. And I could have fulfilled that if I'd listened to God. And now I feel, sometimes I'll say to Ted, I just really feel that we need to do this. And now he's great because he'll just say, yeah, right, well, we need to go and do it. And he'll give me the push to do it because it would begun to recognize that that's God's prompting. And I just believe that God calls us to love. And my constant thing is, Lord, teach me to love and show me how I can show that love to other people um, every day. Mm. I think it's about using your time, your treasure and your talents as effectively as you can, really, um, before God in serving other people. Sarah, Louise, Rebecca, thank you. Let's uh, <laughs> We have an opportunity this evening to respond in a very special and unique way, but it's, it's a way which Jesus taught us in that last supper where he says, do this in remembrance of me. And in all that you've heard throughout this series about what God has done through the person of Jesus for us, and as your heart has been stirred, this is op your opportunity. This is holy ground. This is, this is a special moment. Going down through thousands of years of the church, but this moment's still fresh right now. As we take the elements, this is your covenant with God. This is what Jesus said. The blood of the new covenant. This cup. a unique relationship that your life is built on. This moment where you can take the elements and you can say, I'm covenanted to the God of the universe through the blood of Jesus. I'm no longer needing to be in fear, as Carol said, but I am a child of God. This is your place of identification and rootedness and this is where we can express our devotion in response to the one who gave all to us 
we can now give all back to him. Here I am, Lord. Take me, spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to ask the communion stewards if you can come up, please. And let me explain how we're going to do this this evening. I'm going to ask you to hold the elements, hold the bread, and hold the wine. And I'm going to ask you to hold it, and we are going to take the bread and take the wine together as a sign of unity that we are one body, one church, one in him, one covenant together, brothers and sisters together. And as the stewards go out, there's going to be words that come on the screen. I want you to remain seated in your seats. And we're going to softly worship to these words as a response of what you've heard. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've given us the communion table. A moment where we can touch your heart and respond back to you by receiving the elements, knowing that your body was broken, Jesus, and your blood was shed for us, and that we do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name.